0: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining our session for the Converge to Accelerate program. Our topic this morning is going to be on the area in the policy area of divining uh, blockchain technology and other technologies in the policy area. I'd like to introduce our esteemed colleagues that we have, uh, Rick McElroy, Paul Brown, and Robert Wood. Gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind taking the time to introduce yourself to our audience. We'll start sure, with Thanks, Rick. Joyce. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. Rick McElroy, Principal Cybersecurity Strategist, VMware Carbon Black. Uh, I've been doing information security for about 25 years now and I get to travel all over the globe and work with teams on maturing their security posture. And I'm primarily focused at VMware around the healthcare sector.
0: Great, Paul?
2: Hi, my name is Paul Brown. I'm the Chief Information Officer for Henry Ford Health System. Henry Ford Health System is about a $6.5 billion a year healthcare system in the United States that's about two-thirds provider and about one-third insurance company. Been with Henry Ford for about three years. Prior to that, I served as the Chief Information Officer at Tenant Healthcare and at Trinity Health System. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Yeah, and um and my name is Robert Woods, I am the Chief Information Security Officer at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And so my day to day is uh it's effectively always changing. Uh you know, it, it involves overseeing everything from uh policy development uh along the security and uh privacy space to data privacy issues to uh a myriad of cybersecurity and and uh and engineering issues. So um happy to be here.
0: Thank you, gentlemen, and glad to have you here. So blockchain technology is being hailed as the panacea for all healthcare dilemmas with applications ranging from bioinformatics and EMR connectivity or AI for clinical diagnostics. For example, The researchers proposed that implementing a blockchain protocol may eradicate illicit prescription drug abuse and provide a platform to manage the opioid crisis. The potentials associated with blockchain technology has caused a significant trend towards developing blockchain solutions for the healthcare and medical research industries. With this spike in innovation and application, now is the time to assess governance and policies to ensure continuous cyber-technology supremacy while applying cutting-edge solutions. Currently, 17 states have introduced legislation related to the use of blockchain technology or in adjacent to healthcare applications. However, these efforts are primarily focused on developing committees or requests for information about these technologies use, not development or governance. During this period of evaluation and rapid adoption, leaders and policymakers must begin considering the need for governance and drafting policy to ensure solutions are developed to protect patient privacy and comply with best practices for security and interoperability. Let's get started, gentlemen. Please discuss your impression of the rapid development and adoption of blockchain technology in healthcare who do you see as the primary benefits and what do you see as the primary concerns for this rapid adoption? We'll start with Robert.
3: Sure. Yeah. So I think the, I mean the patient has to be the one who primarily benefits at the end of the day, right. Or the consumer of, of healthcare. So, you know, I think with the many different applications of blockchain or Big data or other other emerging sorts of technology problems or approaches to problems, um, you know, it's it's very exciting for the consumer of healthcare services because ultimately, if the delivery of these things and the administration of these things improves, then ultimately their experience, their uh, uh, their their care, their uh, their costs, all of all of those things that go into their uh, their overarching experience with the healthcare system improves. And I think like any emerging technology, uh, you know, we have to, uh, like, it's exciting. We should, we should be rushing into, uh, uh, in my opinion, experiment, but not uh, wholesale uh, adopt things based on, uh, you know, handshakes, winks and nods and, and, uh, and a lot of uh, big words. And so like, you know, some things that I, I think are quite interesting and, and novel about the risks of something like blockchain is that, it's it's immutable right which is which is in many ways considered a a strength and an advantage of it, you know it's transparent and it's immutable okay sweet um uh, you know what happens if we're rushing and something is not correct on a said blockchain and and that immutability property ends up resulting in downstream issues because there's there's things built on a blockchain that are that then have resulting downstream uh negative consequences and that's something that i think needs to be considered in the broader context of like governance over emerging technologies such as like artificial intelligence, blockchain, et cetera. Um, when we're talking about how these things relate to more important problems than serving up pictures of things that match somebody's interest or um, you know other, other more non-mission critical applications where this kind of technology is typically first
1: applied. Okay.
0: Rick, what are your impressions?
1: Yeah, well, look, I, I, I'm always cautious to say something's uh, a, a technological problem for a, a deeply complex issue like the opioid crisis, right? Although I do think uh, direct impacts to um, consumers of healthcare, direct impacts to providers, as well as um, I think limiting uh, the amount of uh, healthcare fraud that occurs as well. I think there is some promise that blockchain technology. Um, could help to do that. Uh, I think one of the areas I think about as well is um, increasing complexi- uh, complexity, right? So I- I- if you look at standard blockchain uh, implementations, they're fairly complex, which causes a number of different uh, uh, areas uh, from a risk perspective and from a threat perspective that um, adversaries can take advantage of to get the data. So while I do think um, there is hope, I do think um, with a thoughtful approach to Robert's point, right, accounting for these things up front. I think to your, your point earlier, Joyce, about uh, you know starting to look at regulations that are meaningful now, great, let's do that during the ideation phase, um, during the prototyping phase, and then start to do some limited uh, rollouts of that technology, understand the impacts, understand some of the um, unintended consequences of those, and then maybe uh, more broadly bring those use cases
0: out to market. Thank you very much. Paul, I know you don't have a deep background in in blockchain. So what are some of the things that might concern you or what are some question that you might have for your colleagues here about blockchain in a health system?
2: Thanks, Joyce, really appreciate it. I I had to chuckle when when I found out the topic for this discussion was (laughs) blockchain. I remember a survey of healthcare CIOs three to five years ago about blockchain and the primary conclusion of the survey was most healthcare CIOs really didn't even know how to describe blockchain. Uh, So it's a somewhat amorphous concept, but if we simplify it to there are many transaction points in healthcare where data is shared between entities and blockchain creates an opportunity for us to share that in a different way. Then I think the pro- possibilities are pretty exciting. And I think of processes in particular that cross over the provider and the payer space and create administrative overhead in healthcare. For example, every healthcare system in the United States today spends an inordinate amount of time every year reconciling payments with insurance organizations. Well, if you think about the concept of a shared ledger in real time um, that uh, sort of balances uh, billings with payments and eliminating uh, the countless hours and dollars associated with that administrative overhead, that's very exciting because every one of those dollars saved is a dollar that could be put back into patient care. So whether it's, you know, blockchain or other forms of newer technology, I come at these things with a mindset of can we simplify and take administrative cost out of healthcare so that we can put money back into caring for people who are suffering and in need of healthcare services. And I'm really excited to be able to spend time with Rick and Robert today, as they think about how to execute on this in a very responsible uh, way that advances the cause rather than limits its possibilities.
0: Great, R- Robert. Going on. Uh, let's 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 uh, build upon what Paul had just said. Would this be a possibility in the claims arena at CMS?
3: It's certainly. I mean, I, I think there's just about anything is possible. Um, it's it's a matter of. I think in many ways, making sure that you craft a craft problem statements appropriately, mm. such that you're not kind of going on. It's you know, I, I I have this uh this this kind of keyboard rage every time I uh you know I'm I'm sitting on sitting on Slack or email and and you know I hear somebody talk about um you know the the fact that we're going to solve something else with like AI, and you know I feel like AI is is usually the the term thrown around for I want to I want to make something maybe go faster and I'm just going to magically use AI as though it's going to help. And so, um, you know, like blockchain to me very, uh, very much follows the same kind of pattern. And, you know, in order for those things to work and to add value and to be a viable solution to any given problem, you have to understand very uh, distinctly and appropriately, what the problem is you're trying to solve, like what the constraints to it are, um, you know, what kind of data you actually have. Um, is it structured appropriately? Do you have access to it? And then you have to have people um, who can actually come in and, and sort of build on these things. And, and I think that's one, um, you know, interesting dynamic to, all of these emerging technologies really is the the talent pool of people who are able to come in and and execute in a particular uh, area is very limited. And so, you know, one as as a like as a as a um, sort of product owner or somebody with a mission who's trying to uh, solve a problem. You know, if if you like that carries, in my opinion, tremendous risk like organizational or delivery risk because like if you bring in somebody who's, you know, basically going to be like Googling on the fly, how do I, you know, how do I blockchain and, and trying to do something like that is not going to lead you to the sort of outcome that you that you want. And similarly with any other emerging technology, it's, uh, you know, you want somebody ideally who's well versed in a particular thing to come in and, and be able to, to think about the nuances, think about the edge cases, think about, um you know, supporting technologies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, Cause otherwise you end up with like the equivalency of, you know, hiring somebody to do a big data problem and they're coming in with like Microsoft access on their, you know, on their laptop and they're messing around with things. And it's, you know, you're gonna end up with a half-baked, uh, you know, a half-baked solution. So I think like the, sh- the short answer to your question is like, yes, but with a big asterisk that, you know anyone who wants to go down that path would need to really think through and, and like like really really think through how and why and and um, you know and, and what problem they're trying to solve
0: what do you, what do you mean I mean we can't just go on YouTube and get a DIY
3: <laughs> I mean you certainly could I, I uh, but I, like so so you know I, I hear this all the time in the and this is why I get the the keyboard rage I, re- I referred to with uh, with AI <laughs> it's like um you know it sounds on the surface really easy. You have vendors who are constantly knocking on your door saying we can do this thing for you. But like in that, in that particular, uh, uh, field and, uh, specifically, or in that domain, a lot of it boils down to like, do you have data that is structured and clean and like ready for potential modeling and, and, uh, like model training and development and all of that. Do you have a way of like storing it at scale? Uh, is it labeled? Um, is it classified all of that stuff? And, and if you don't, then, you know, well, if you had all of that, then the actual engineering work and the design work is probably, you know, fairly trivial um, and straightforward. Um, once you have all that stuff done, most of the hard work comes in preparing, you know, getting yourself ready. And, and I think that same sort of dynamic exists in, you know, any emerging uh, uh, sort of technology or field, blockchain being one of them. And, and especially I'd, I'd say that that goes even further when you consider that we haven't like, there's, there's really not been a lot of talk that has gone into the governance models around something like, you know, uh, a distributed, uh, immutable ledger, uh, i.e. blockchain and, and how that is used to drive any kind of problem. Uh, you know, there's been talk around like AI regulation and, you know, uh, uh, stuff like um stuff like uh, uh like making sure that there's not bias in in models mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that like how how to manage negative outcomes like that. We haven't really had many you know big deep conversations at a, at a governance or policy level around something like blockchain yet.
0: Yeah, and, and that's one of the, the big, big challenges. Rick, What you know, going off of what Rob just said, particularly about having people who are well-versed, if you will, uh, in, in blockchain and having the workforce to be able to do these kinds of implement design and implementation, what are some of the other risks and threats that present themselves rushing to implement these types of technologies?
1: yeah, it's a great question, right? And I, I do think um, you know, thoughtful implementation matters. I think Robert and I are on the same page about a lot of stuff. I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, but but generally speaking, um, I think it's the implementation that has shown weaknesses throughout. Uh, multiple blockchain implementations, right? Whether it was um, for financial purposes, for for you know uh, supply chain and contract purposes, um, one of the key areas that that we see, you know, attackers or at least um, folks that are attempting to uh, to break the chain and or uh, uh, create false transactions, are really around timing-based attacks. So some of the implementation there, I think. Um, You know, using weak ciphers as part of the implementation, poor key management, which goes, again, towards having, uh, um, you know, a trained staff that knows how to implement the technology. And and I think uh, more more broadly, uh, as you start to look at uh, how this technology has been implemented, um, well, it's also written by software developers um, and sits on endpoints and workloads. Uh, in a distributed fashion, right? And we know that that chain currently today is uh, is vulnerable. And so I do think, you know, again, having those upfront testing processes, um, building in uh, misuse test cases over just uh, uh, you know the 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 use case, the good use cases that we would see, you know, I think are needed. And then of course, um, hey, na- you know, how many handfuls of people are actually trained on the planet to to start to you know, muck around in these environments and, and actually cause things like heap sprays and some of this. Well, the answer is not a lot. So so back to, to Robert's question. I mean, if I'm a security professional, before I accept it, I'd like a partner or someone on my team to be able to uh, adequately test that and have enough knowledge to do that. And I do think there'll be a lag in that as far as that
0: goes. And Particularly, I think with the uh, the many moving parts that are involved in healthcare as Paul, you well know. So, you know, the, the proponents always tout benefits such as EMR interoperability, privacy, patient identification as easy points for implementing blockchains. What are some of the implications that you see from your role for patients or providers when implementing or using blockchain solutions?
2: Well, my first thought, Joyce, is, you- kind of comment on that is, you know, I think the right place to start with newer technologies in healthcare is on what I call the administrative side of things. Um, information about the health and wellness of Robert Wood and Rick McElroy and Joyce Hunter and Paul Brown is extremely personal. Um, And anytime we're using new technologies to handle and manage that information, uh, we wind up with unintended consequences. And so I think diving into sort of deep uh, clinical operations with newer technologies may be a mistake in a lot of cases. And there are more benign processes in healthcare. For example, every physician that practices in a hospital in the United States has to go through a credentialing process. That physician also needs to go through a credentialing process with every insurance company. Those processes are very similar and they all involve uh, accessing various data sources and confirming various information. So if we, through a distributed ledger, had a capability to sort of share the load of that credentialing process across organizations and eliminate redundancy, then we save time, money, and effort. And if we mess it up, uh, you know, it doesn't wreak havoc. It doesn't expose information about individuals that could be used in pernicious ways. So my thought and counsel relative to sort of where do you start is maybe some of the more benign processes that in particular across multiple stakeholders or entities uh, in the healthcare ecosystem where there's redundancy and overlap.
0: Great, thank you very much. So now Paul, stay with you. Um, So the existing privacy and identity legislation that are applied to new technologies or innovation uh, how do you think blockchain would fall into that like HIPAA and and uh, you know some of the other standards and and uh, things that have come out in recent years
2: this one is very vexing for me i uh, I think we live in interesting times um, where we have things like the 21st century cures act that requires any um, person or entity in the ecosystem who has information about a patient to share it with others at the request of the patient. And yet we have, you know, sort of serious counter regulations (laughs) that should that information ever be shared, you know, without explicit consent is a real problem because then clinicians wind up with an incomplete uh, picture. So I think we have a social schizophrenia going on regarding healthcare data, where I want every provider who's touching me to know everything about me that could possibly be known, unless I don't want them to know a particular bit or piece. Um, And then I wanna be able to kind of keep that out of their uh, line of sight. So I think our existing policy frameworks actually need to mature a lot to try to reconcile the very real needs of clinicians and and patients to have a full 360 view of them when they're being treated, um, but also to have a lot of control, uh, much more so than they do today, about who can see different uh, pieces of that picture. I would also comment just to add on that, having been in health systems that have operations in 20 or 30 states it's really very problematic today from my perspective that we have state level uh, laws uh, that uh, also intermesh in this framework with federal laws. um, And it becomes very difficult to be efficient as a healthcare technology operator in reconciling all of those different laws. I think increasingly with telehealth, um, you know, blockchain, big data, Healthcare is becoming maybe a bit more national than local in certain ways. And I would like to see the policy frameworks evolve, evolve to be a little bit more at a national level um, than at a state level. Just one perspective.
0: Absolutely. And boy, does that open up another can of worms, Paul, right? Because then the states will say, well, you can't tell me what to do. right?
2: Sure. <laughs> so. of course. We have a little bit of that going on these days, don't we?
0: <laughs> absolutely anybody else want to comment on what paul just said
1: i would i would just say briefly to piggyback um i i'm in 100% agreement with paul it's pretty typical um big things happen uh headlines happen uh politicians start to talk about it consumers <laughs> suddenly you know and then and then we create a point in time regulation right um and and i think it's to address the specific issues that were raised at that point in time and not necessarily a holistic look across the board and and so I have a tendency to agree with Paul, and you know I work internationally as well, and um, you know that it becomes much much, much harder when you get on a global and international scale and all of those things as well and and so um you know to the question about privacy well well, look, I think there's a, a lot of blockchain advocates um that would say. Uh, that putting data on the chain is a bit more secure or private than what we're doing today, right? I think, and and I'll I'll stipulate that I will agree with them in theory on that. Again, if it's implemented well, uh, but that being said, you know wh- which state's going to go first, right? Who's who's the exact use case? Are they going to come up with their own legislation as someone else? And 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 so I do think um, a, a faster iterative way to get through regulations that makes sense, and then of course. Um, I think having uh, a few more members of, of the healthcare community at those tables as those are being, being built is, is going to be helpful.
0: So, so let's talk, to talk going down the governance chain. I know when I was the deputy CIO at the Department of Agriculture, every time you mentioned governance, people would run. I mean, so governance is not necessarily a popular word, but we know it's necessary. So let's talk about the pros and cons of overarching governance, which is what we're basically talking about, if we're going to get away from each state doing their own thing, uh, in that federated model, and, and we're going to have these overarching policies, uh, compared with a industry specific governance model, such as HIPAA. Um, what, what are the pros and cons uh, of that? Well, uh, uh, we'll start with you, Rick.
1: Yeah, well, look. One of the pros is um, we all it can easily judge one thing, right, and hopefully apply that to many things. I mean, that's the you know the the simpler it is to apply, the generally speaking, uh, the easier it is to implement. But um, there's cons to that as well, right? I mean, we do get into questioning, uh, you know, fundamentally uh, how we're built as a nation, right? And 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 so uh, those things matter, right? And it, and and while we might be highlighting um, some of these issues specific to healthcare, um, I don't know that we're going to go change the system that way. Right. Um, so, so I think for me uh, thinking about Overwatch, you, you know, uh, I also think like uh, standards bodies. So if you, if you look at NIST and, and everyone builds their security programs, right, generally speaking around NIST and, and ISO and some other ones, um, there's still some things that are open for, you know, interpretation. Um, we, we know that shops that are full NIST and do all the things are, are, probably still open to get breached, right? So so again, I think it's got to be realistic. I think we have to get security and privacy to the table, especially when we're talking about blockchain. I don't think you can decouple those two conversations. Um, and I do think that they're complementary services to each other, right? Security should, in fact, protect your privacy and identities uh, and vice versa. And so, so I think, um, look, we, we, we know what we know now, and we know a whole lot about you know technology implementations. How rushed we've been in some cases. Um, I like what Paul was uh, uh, referring to earlier about um, you know making them easier to digest and understand, and actually translate that into a technological solution. So I do think someone like um, whether it's um, Health and Human Services or DHS or CISO or you know someone who puts a standard out around you know blockchain or AI being developed for healthcare. Like I think that'll be helpful. Um, So that the technology manufacturers have something to adhere to and build. But, um, yeah, that's my general thought.
0: And and they basically almost did the same thing back in the day with HL7. Right. So, you know, you can have these standards based um, policies that everybody kind of adheres to. So uh, if if you look at that, um, uh, Robert. Should legislation be enacted at the state or the federal level, which would you advocate for? I think we heard, well, Paul will come down on this and why.
3: Um, I don't know if I'm the best. uh, I mean, this is obviously just my uh, just my opinion. I'm certainly not in the uh, policymaker uh, policymaker scene. But I mean, I think there's I think there's a lot of benefit philosophically for legislation to be driven at the so well so i'm gonna i'm gonna play both sides of this coin so i think uh you you kind of get more um you cast a wider net at the federal level obviously um Mm -hmm. but i think because of that you end up um you you likely end up with a um it's kind of like an inch wide um an inch wide um or an inch deep mile wide versus uh you know uh 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 mile deep uh and an inch wide uh sort of uh, uh approach and so the like generalist specialist sort of uh dynamics and i i think the like if you do something at the federal level you're likely going to end up sort of stripping out a lot of things to cover a lot more potential use cases or concerns things like that across all state and uh yeah, you're basically accommodating more voices mm-hmm. um but it also could get the ball moving in an interesting, useful way. That being said, I think doing something at the state level is interesting because, you know, we're talking about this because we don't actually know. This is all largely hypothetical in many ways. And so doing something at the state level, I think, it does introduce a, a, a more interesting opportunity to try small and learn. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like most of my back, like career background is in startups and, and uh, uh, you know, tech companies where that is, that's kind of the mantra. It's like, what, you know, define your MVP, test small, learn fast and mm-hmm. kind of learn your way through problems. And I think doing something big like this on a smaller scale, um, you know, could be really interesting. Uh, however, that being said, if it's just done in a vacuum and nobody's talking and then we end up with, you know, 40 of these things, then, you know, then that's, that's also not super productive. But if it were, you know, if there were some level of coordination amongst feds and state governments and, you know, you're, you're testing things out on a smaller scale where you can learn and then coordinate those with the bigger body of, of of resources and people and, and, uh, and, and legislative bodies, like that could be really interesting.
0: And I think that at, at first, that was the original premise behind the health information exchanges. Right. So they put it out there. Everybody kind of each jurisdiction or organization uh, decided that they were going to do something that was specific for their area, Indiana, California, New York, you know, and and uh, those that were very successful. It was highly suggested by the Office of the National Coordinator that they kind of disperse that throughout the entire enterprise. So Let's talk about uh, looking at blockchain as a more standard technology uh, and let's let's talk about what everybody thinks blockchain is, which is Bitcoin. Um, would you recommend policymakers consider cryptocurrency examples when evaluating healthcare applications or or policy needs, Rick?
1: Uh, I say yes. Um, one, it was the earliest implementation of the blockchain, and um, I think there's various forms. Uh, I have a tendency to lean towards um, like financial operating system models like Cardano uh, that yeah. are very thoughtful and take a, a very thoughtful approach to digital identities and and transactions and contracts and and all of those things. Um, but but I do think we have to learn from you know the first people through the breach, right? And and so I think it's helpful to understand threats. It's helpful to understand risk. It's helpful to understand scale, the type of chain that you're going to run on. Um, you know, after all, in healthcare, seconds matter. Uh, and so, uh, picking the wrong technology that takes too long to to actually, you know, confirm a transaction among multiple hosts in a network, or um, you have too much la- latency. Yeah, those those things uh, matter. I mean, it's it's why a lot of the major retailers um, haven't exactly picked a horse yet, right? In, in the uh, in the cryptocurrency debate. So so yes, I, I do think it's useful. I also think. Um, there's some interesting use cases in um, healthcare uh, as far as like incentivizing consumers to participate in surveys or studies or, or ph- uh, pharmacological studies, um, which would probably uh, either need to be facilitated today via checks and, and payments to debit cards or in the future, um, possibly using something um, like blockchain for that. And, and so I do think you know a, as the world starts to look at digital identities going on the chain, um, which seems highly likely in, in a, a lot of countries, um, it's, a, it's a natural thing that will probably follow for them is, is your identity is now on the chain. Um, what are the other services we can attach to it and records? And it'll fall from there.
0: Cool. Oh, excellent. Uh, well, what, um, Paul, what limitations do you see to governing blockchain in healthcare applications?
2: Well, um, you know, there's a lot of um, tension. Uh, between the incumbent actors in healthcare, right, um, payers, providers, um, payviders, providers, um, you know, newer entrants into healthcare delivery, um, you know, so, you know, look at its foundation, you know, blockchain. At least as I understand it, is you know a, a newer, more advanced way to share information. Well, if any two actors are going to share information, there needs to be a level of trust in terms yeah. of how that information is used. And there's a lot of mistrust between the actors uh, in in healthcare today. And so that really presents an impediment in terms of bringing those actors together and saying, let's agree on some standard approaches uh, to things. I think the other thing that is a real challenge in healthcare delivery, his healthcare delivery in the United States is incredibly fragmented. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we have about 5,000 hospitals in the United States. The single largest hospital company in the United States operates less than 200 of those hospitals. So, you know, the ability to agree on standard approaches to anything, you know, is really very difficult. I would contrast that with the auto industry. You know, not many people know it, but in 1920 there were a few hundred automobile manufacturers in the United States. Today there are, you know, depending on how you want to count, three to five. Imagine if we had four or five, six hundred companies, you know, making cars in the United States today. You'd have <laughs> steering wheels on the right side, the left side, the outside. You know, you kind of have a a hot mess on your hands. So I think the fragmentation in healthcare delivery and the natural mistrust of the actors uh, creates some pretty significant impediments um, to moving forward, you know, quickly with technology that at its core is is binding organizations together in new ways. Yeah, well, so one other interesting point on that
3: is the, you know, regarding the actors. So consider like big providers, big payers, um, is they may have, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to steal some terminology and concepts from like the, uh, the SAS, um, like, um, B2C or B2B world is like, you know, there is a concept of, um, you know, customer retention or people, uh, um, yeah. basically like wanting to keep people in your world. And, and, yeah. you know, there's a switching cost. And if like, there may actually be misincentives, uh, misaligned incentives to adopt something that makes it easier for the consumer. Um, you know, and I, and I hate to say this, but, um, you know, like, for almost no organization, like, the bottom line is a huge consideration for most organizations, because it has to be. Um, you know, I think, like, I, I used to be that uh, that super altruistic uh, individual, uh, a cybersecurity person who was like, security is the most important thing. Huzzah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, like, going to work for an actual security company and learning, like, it's not actually the most important thing. Like, you know, doing stuff for the customers and the bottom line is the most important thing. And so that was very eye-opening for me uh, early in my career. And the, yeah, and I think there's, like, as it, as it pertains to potential adoption of blockchain technologies, you know, one has to consider, like, would it, like, would the big players want to participate in such a thing? And if, you know, cause they have immense power in this, this whole dynamic and could muddy things up, slow things down, fight it, et cetera, et cetera, you know, build their own cause confusion. Like there's a whole bunch of ways that this could go off the rails and sideways. And, um, you know, because making it easier for customers to see prices transparently to move data between providers, like those things are part of the business model and there may not be incentives to sort of change that business model.
0: Great. Well, this is our last question, gentlemen, so I do want everybody to formulate an answer and and provide your best recommendation. What are your key recommendations, suggestions, thoughts for policymakers evaluating the use and governance of blockchain solutions in healthcare? Paul, we'll start with you.
2: (laughs) That's a big question, Joyce. Can I get back to you next week? (laughs) Um, Certainly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know my counsel to 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 policymakers and others um, would be to realize the incredible sensitivity associated with the health data uh, of individuals, and to recognize that no matter how much we might try to consider every possible scenario and use case, we never can. As such, we need some regulatory and policy frameworks that allow for ongoing adjudication uh, associated with challenges in using that data and protecting individuals from the misuse of that data. And so I'd encourage, rather than trying to create a 5,000-page piece of legislation that tries to encompass every possible use case or scenario, Creating some framework for adjudicating situations where someone or some group feels that the data has been used inappropriately, um, and that there should be some redress uh,
0: uh, for that. Okay, Robert, what do you think?
3: I really like Paul's answer. Um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say like i I love everything about that answer. Uh, the i I would build on it only by saying we should be thinking about structures, regulatory structures such that we can learn, we can get high value, high impact learning on a sm- on the smallest scale possible. And you know the fat. I know like legislation and regulation does not move quickly. It is not known for being a very nimble thing. Um, But the the faster that we can learn our way through it, and and something like a governance model that allows stuff to happen and just be reviewed by you know such an overlay, um, you know is potentially a way to create that fast learning environment because you know the the nature of the, of this stuff of this, you know, kind of uh, these emerging technology approaches is that, and, and domains is that it will inevitably change. Like change is, is the only thing that, you know, death taxes and change is like, you know, you can expect on those or you can count on those. And so the, um, you know, so, so we have to make sure that any kind of uh, like regulatory output that comes, uh, you know, comes to bear, is a lot like allows for that kind of uh, like fast, flexible sort of experimentation. Because I think without it, it's just going to fall completely flat.
1: Rick, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I love Robert, I love Paul's idea. Um, We need to iterate regulations and standards as if they are code, because that's how fast we're moving in technology. And so hopefully at some point in the future, um, our uh, regulators and, uh, uh, you know, uh, legislative bodies catch up to that, right? Secondarily, I, I, I do I do want to reiterate what Paul said, consumers need a much larger voice in this equation. Um, oftentimes we're not even being consulted uh, about the technologies being used, how it's being used, who owns my data, can I get it out of the blockchain? How do I do those things? That's gotta be accounted for. And then lastly, the one piece of, of advice I would give to anybody um, that's participating in this, right, is um, minimal but sufficient, right? We need the exact right data set that's needed for the use cases, not anything more, not anything less. And we have a tendency uh, in information technology and in systems to collect all the things and then figure out what to do with it later. And so I think healthcare represents um, a perfect vertical to go after this this minimal butts of it, like like just the data that you need, doctor, to please make a decision on my health. And I'd like to facilitate that as a consumer, all Mm -hmm. of those things. Um, But at some point, I may... Leave exit to a, you know, to another provider. I may move states. Uh, you know that that's happening a lot right now, right during the pandemic. And, and so again, I think thinking about um consumers and modern consumers' demands for privacy and security should
0: should be accounted. Great. Well, gentlemen, thank you so very much. Rick McElroy, Robert Wood, and Paul Brown. We appreciate your participation in this session of Converge to Accelerate. And my name is Joyce Hunter. I am the executive director of the Institute for Critical Information Technology and a co-ambassador for the District Maryland and Virginia chapter of Blockchain in Healthcare Today. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the conference.